Hello, my friends. Welcome to Fear and Trembling with Horror, the podcast that brings all things horror into conversation with philosophy, theology, religion, literature, you know, just all the stuff of life. I'm one of your hosts, Jared, and I'm joined with my good pal, Ryan. Now, the basis of our friendship, as we say every week, started over discussing horror films in our dorm room in college far too long ago to admit. Every Thursday night, we would share one of our favorites with each other and order pizza, and it began a lifelong conversation about the meaning of horror and how it could be valuable to society, especially when people are sometimes repulsed by it. And on today's episode, we have a film that many people were repulsed by. People were excited by all the hoopla surrounding it when it was coming out through the trailers and the uh, the promise that it was the scariest film since The Exorcist. And I'll admit that it came out in 2018, and when it did, I did not watch it. I was in kind of a dark headspace, and I heard it was... Uh, I heard it was a bit uh, disturbing, so I passed on that. And then we entered the pandemic, and I didn't want to watch anything that was disturbing. So I just now have gotten to it, and I found it quite exceptional. So without further ado, today's episode, we're looking at the film called Hereditary. How are you doing, Ryan? Yes, I, I'm doing well. I was, you know, I had the fortunate privilege of seeing this movie early. Uh, I got to see it. Humble brag, humble brag. A- yeah um humble brag you know i got to see this movie as part of um reviewing uh films for a website as a christian website um so they they review every film and they have their own rating system blah 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 i'm not going to get into the boring details of that but it did not disappoint i knew virtually nothing going into this film and uh had you know no expectation beyond it was just a scary scary movie and it i walked out it it was scary and very tenseful at times but i walked out mostly disturbed (laughs) and so mission mission accomplished yeah with big stars like tony collette and gabriel byrne this wasn't going to be some uh b-level film uh it's certainly been compared to movies like the witch um newer horror films that are really done artfully and uh, the story told really, really well. Uh, If you've seen the film, you'll know that there is the uh, play between the house that the characters live in, the the Graham family, and these little miniatures, these dioramas, these pieces of art that the main character, played by Toni Collette, Annie, she she paints and designs these little little, uh, vignettes, these little doll houses, these uh, whatever you want to call them, and and yeah. and they uh, they're miniatures. So she has some control over what's going on inside. She's p- like taking looks and and creating tableaus of her past life. Well, the house itself, I'm told, was built um, as a set all together. You know, as a as a unique facility with with walls that could be removed, mm-hmm. so you the camera could could kind of play in the room in particular ways. So that it was just like peering into this diorama or this dollhouse, but only for the actors. So it's so it's on a larger yeah. scale what you see Tony Collette's character doing on a very small scale with her miniatures, and the cinematography. I called it austere because it's um, to me it resists a lot of flashiness. There's a lot of images when you look at the camera and you look at the composition. There's a lot of square framing. 
It's kind of stark. Mm-hmm. It's it's set back, um, especially before things go haywire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Don't don't. Hey, you're doing the teasing. Now. Oh yes. Well, it's a horror film. It's gonna go sideways, silly. <laughs> At any rate, before it does that. It frames the characters usually in a fairly noble set, uh, square, right angles, that kind of thing. And then when things go haywire, that's when you start seeing the strange angles. And sometimes you get a little claustrophobic look or view, uh, kind of an expressionistic turn there. But at any rate, uh, very, very good film. We're going to do a little overview of it. As I already intimated, this is about the Green, uh, the the Graham family. Uh, Starts off at a funeral, doesn't it, Ryan? It does, you know, to, to kind of piggyback off of your opening statement, the way that this house, the, the, the film actually opens on the treehouse, and, you know, that's a, a bit of a foreboding image, you know, when we get to the end, and now it's my turn to tease, um, but it, it, that's the opening shot, and, you know, you always want to pay attention to opening and closing shots as they often mirror each other, but in this particular shot, it starts with the picture of the the treehouse and then it, it the camera as you say it's very very calculated and intentional the movement and it moves in from the treehouse into the bedroom and then over towards the miniature and then it pushes in on the miniature and it becomes the real house and so i'm sure we could talk a little bit about you know kind of what's going on there and i, I do like what you had to say about how she builds miniatures to control uh, or to try and gain uh, control over, you know, traumas that she's experienced in the past. Yeah, I didn't say that on air, buddy. I told you that on the phone earlier today. No, you just said it. No, I didn't. Okay, maybe I did. Who knows? It's late when we're doing this. So, yeah, <laughs> yes. from the treehouse of horror in the backyard, right, yeah, to the yeah, uh, the yeah. horror that is the human-sized dollhouse, because that's what it is. And really, and really this For story, sure. um, the, the question has been posed, is, is her- hereditary? Are we talking about... Um, uh, passing down the family genes of uh, mental health and trauma, or are we talking mm-hmm. about how evil is hereditary, or is it both? And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to uh, pull punches. I'm just going to tell you straight up uh, from word go. I, I do believe that this is a horror film that is using the, 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 the concept of horror to really talk about the question of trauma in families uh, mental health mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the trauma that gets passed on from one to another family systems. Uh, I think it is an inversion of the, yeah. the, the family overcoming. And I think this is about the family devolving into chaos. I think there's paranoia <laughs> at play. I mean, th- this is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole concept of the family uh, being like a large version of the diorama means that somebody, something, some force is trying to control them it's uh, it's got a bit of of uh, it could play right into a narrative of um, uh, you know what do they call those uh, conspiracy theory and you know that's one of those things yeah. conspiracy theories work in the world because they give people a feeling of control when things don't seem like they're control in control like there is right control. yeah so it's a yeah. it's it's kind of a strangely cathartic kind of thing to have a, a conspiracy theory well this family could uh, you could. You could really give them a pass for believing that there's cons- 
a conspiracy against them because there was. <laughs> and it's a well, coven, yeah. if you will, a, a gathering of a, of a cult that is uh, interested in, in their bloodline, in their heredity. Well, it, yeah, in, the, in, in their yeah, in their bloodline, in the matriarchy that was the, you know, the, the, the mother, you know, ultimately. Um, and it's, it's interesting that there is, you know, from the time that, you know, there's some foreboding going on throughout the entire, you know, the entire, what I'd say the first, you know, leading up to the final act, right. And the first two acts, it, it really does play well to, is there something psychological going on? Are we looking at mental illness, you know, or is there really something other, is there something else, like you said, this force, you know, supernatural, whatever, you know, that element doesn't, doesn't get introduced into it until the friend does the seance. We'll get there. Um, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Cause I feel like, I feel like, um, we, I mean, I mentioned funeral, and we and we didn't talk anything about yeah. it. So at the very beginning, Tony Collette's character Annie is uh, speaking at her at her mother's funeral. A couple things you note: she's estranged or has been estranged from her mom, and only in these last years, in her mom's dementia, has she mm-hmm. been uh, around the family. There's a strange symbol on the necklace of the grandmother, the the the, the one yeah. in the casket. And uh, Tony Collette's character, and he says, I, I see a lot of faces I've never seen before. And there's not a ton of people yeah. there, so that's telling. It's, that's, that's to tip us all off to the fact that there are people uh, in and around your, you know, your mother's life that, are, that you don't know about that we're going to know about by the end of the, the story, right? Yeah, they're going to play somehow into that. Yeah, and so she, she, she's, and she's suffering. She's suffering grief of... Of a lost mother, but as the film really begins, actually before that Treehouse of Horror film uh, shot, there is an obituary, and you get to read the obituary, yep. and it, and yep. it says, yep. you know, her, her, you know, basically her mother's deceased, and she was uh, predeceased, her husband predeceased her, and then her eldest uh, son, her eldest child, died, and uh, mm-hmm. and and you just kind of get the sense just from reading the the the. the the obituary that there's something strange that's been following this little clan, and and, and I, I wonder, yeah, I wonder where the victimhood lies. Well, here's Tony Collette, well, Annie's get character. For, get ready for the despair. Yeah, <laughs> get, get yeah. ready. Dis- uh, Annie's despair follows. Yeah, Annie's character. She goes home. It's a beautiful home. She's this diorama artist. Her husband seems like the only normal cat in the whole flick played by the incomparable uh, Gabriel Byrne. And he's a psychologist mm-hmm. or a psychiatrist. And, and everything's, you know, just kind of like odd in the family, kind of cold. Of course, you know that you're living in the wake of a funeral. That's that's the trauma, the grief that's real. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, and through time, things start happening strangely in the home. Um, you find out a couple things. You find out that there's an older son that she has that... When she had the older son, she was estranged from her mother and would not let her mother be around this baby when he was a child. And now he's just kind be of in a her, be in her life. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. And now he's just kind of a, you know, a pot smoking uh, high school boy who is interested in girls, <laughs> and, and that's you know he's, that's how yeah. he copes with his life. And then there's this little little girl uh, named Charlie. And she's uh, there's just no way about it, other way about it, and they call her straight up strange. She 
she straight up strange. Straight up strange. Yeah. People are strange when they're strange. Great song, by the way. Fantastic song. Yeah, it sounds like uh, sounds like uh, like uh, something kind of creepy at a carnival. I think. Anyway, so this little girl Charlie, she uh, she cl- clicks more than talks. She'll make a noise. And uh, I read somewhere that people think that that was because uh, she was coping with the inability to communicate or express herself. Um, mm. She draws. She's inwardly focused. She sees everything. Yeah. She's the one who sees the first glimmer of blue uh, light that goes through a hallway. Uh, that that mm-hmm. comes about later. You find out. We find out later that this is a demonic spirit that's plaguing the situation. But she's the first yeah. to see it. And uh, and then she has this weird hobby. Why, why don't you tell us if you can? If I'm teeing you up right, Ryan, what is her strange little hobby? Well, her strange little hobby is you know she collects she collects things and symbols. Uh, most disturbingly, she collects the head of a dead bird and carries that around. Uh, and I think the things that really tease up the strangeness of Charlie is the mother's admission in the group therapy session uh where we get all the backstory of the the trauma that she's had with in her familial life all right so annie the mother has got to go to group therapy for trauma and and she's got this weird little kid that likes to cut off the heads off things there's more i wanted to say but but you go ahead and and go right on into that well so so she she's different and and the thing that I, I bring this up and I do want to come back to this particular scene, but it shows that that Annie feels responsible that she let her mother get her claws into Charlie and she says something to that effect that she kept her away she kept her mother away from her first son, but then with her daughter Charlie, she let her mother back in and she wished that she wouldn't have done that um because that you know the the weirdness or the oddness that you see in Charlie I think comes from the grandmother that you know I think uh, you're gonna find out you know the different symbols and the different things I think is that what you're talking about as far as like teeing up her weirdness she seems to be drawn to those things that her grandmother was drawn to yeah well here's how I understand it uh, so you got this little weird kid and she was cared for her by her grandmother in fact uh, we find out along the way that she was breastfed some by her grandmother her grandmother was obsessed with feeding Ew. her and um that, but you also find out she has a nut allergy and they only do that in the movie to mm-hmm. set up something later to come and 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 right. and um and uh well quite oddly the older son not this isn't odd the older son wants to go to a, a party high school party and the mom's like, you're going to be doing drugs? You're going to be drinking? You know? You're going to be drinking? <laughs> yeah, no, mom, they don't have that. You know? <laughs> it's kind of yeah. mundane. And and so she, can, can I take the core? And then she goes, oh, well, take your little sister. Like, And that's the weirdest bit. It's kind of like. The weirdest. Yeah, why would you ever thing. include this kid of this age in a. Uh, in a, a, right. a high school party. Another thing, by the way, that Charlie does say is that grandma always wanted me to be a boy. And I should note that. And mm-hmm. then they treat her like a mm-hmm. boy and she's very tomboyish. And that's a whole thing. But anyway, yeah. so she yeah. goes with her, her big brother and they're at this high school party and he's got quote unquote good pot. So he goes off to smoke it with some girl. He wants to, <laughs> well, the girl. Yeah. That he, that he he's trying to be Lothario <laughs> swinging a miss, yeah. swinging yeah. a miss. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, but, uh, 
you know, he's like, hey, have a piece of chocolate cake. Because at every high school teenage party, someone's made chocolate cake. And yeah. there's this scene yeah. where you see someone cutting up the, 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 the walnuts with a knife. So you're, it's connecting all these dots. And as soon as she eats it, she busts in the room where her brother's smoking pot. And she says, my throat is closing. And it's the only tender moment in the family that I've seen is that he runs her to the car and she's hugging him, holding on to him in fear. Yeah, yeah. And she she's in the back of the car, gasping and freaking out. And as the car speeds down the one-way road, the only way in or out of this place, uh, the, the, the young man, his name is uh, Peter, he sees a dead yeah. animal carcass and he swerves. Now, Charlie, the little sister, has since stuck her head out the window trying to get air in. And as he swerves, yeah. he swerves into a pole and she is decapitated. It is. It's a terrible scene. Absolutely <laughs> gruesome. But what it you is. have to know is the same symbol that is discovered. Uh, it's on the necklace of the grandmother. She lays in her coffin. It's discovered in areas around the house. It's discovered in other characters' homes. It's on mm -hmm, that pole mm -hmm. before, before they drive by. And so the symbol is going to be mm -hmm. important. Of course, Peter, he's in like a terrible yeah. catatonic, fugue, almost a fugue state. Comes home and in another odd move, just leaves his sister. His body doesn't say anything until <laughs> in the next morning. Just lays down yeah. like I can't. Yeah. Doesn't sleep, just lays. I mean, I... I don't know how she would respond like, you know, because I think like you said, it, it was like one of the few genuine moments of connection that you see between this family, at least physical touch, you know, um, that he genuinely was concerned for her well-being. Yeah. Um, and and then that happens. And you're just like, holy crap. Like, for, I mean, I remember sitting in the theater like. We're, you know it's a tense moment because of the reaction and you know you know just everything that's gone on to that point and then when he swing like when he swerves to miss that animal you know like she's hanging out the window you just didn't I didn't expect to see it happen yeah I was I was like uh, I, I, I like paused it and went on just, a walk I think I was just like holy crap yeah like did that just did that just happen <laughs> and then i think probably the, the the truest moment to me in the film and i think this this kind of encapsulated the entire film for me everything that happened after this i'm just like okay you know it's a horror film i get it it's part of the story but whenever annie the mom is on her knees just crying and and she is being held by her husband uh, but we're not allowed to feel that like the camera stays at a distance and I think intentionally so like we see her just despair like that is the picture of despair. She's like I want to die yeah. because it, I feel dead. I want to be dead. Yeah. And, and she goes and she even sleeps in the in the treehouse of horror. Yeah, it, and just lays on the floor it, 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 in front of a heater. Now, okay, before we get yeah. to the, the the information about all these, and that's a good read of that shot. That is, and you're right, it's a profoundly I mean, it, emotional shot. It is. It is like the emotional heart of this movie, where you're just screaming into the nothingness that is despair that follows any type of death or any type of loss. Like if you don't feel that for people who are are close to you. I'm talking about beyond just beyond just you know the hope of whatever religious belief you may have. 
but just that that loss and separation of not just loss and separation, but a tragic loss and separation. Like that was that I felt that in in my being. Yeah. Like so so yeah, yeah and, and and religious belief will play a part in this, although it's the inversion of what you think of when you think of religion. But that's more to come with sure. the symbol talk. Let's let's yeah. go back. Yeah. Let's go back and look at Annie again and listen to some of the things that she has said about her family up till this point. Besides the fact that her mom uh, breastfed the kid, besides the fact that, uh, you know, yeah. she, she let her mom in, she stayed in the home with them. Yeah. Uh, when she goes in this grief share kind of group, she mm-hmm. loses it a little on a speech about what's going Almost, on with her. Yeah. And, and what does she tell everybody? She tells everybody what happens in her, what her family trauma is. Yeah, yeah. So she basically is is kind of letting people in on like her emotional state, right? Of why she's there at the, you know, while she's there at the party. And the camera work in this scene is amazing because right whenever she starts to talk, the camera, like as the group says, Hi, Annie, you know, it then it starts at slow push in and it pushes all the way in as she tells the story of her mother and her, um, what did she have? She had, uh, and I wrote it down. Um, uh, dementia. Was, the, yeah. Well, no, it was, it was something worse than dementia. It was, um, DID. DID. Yes. Uh, DID. And, uh, um, I didn't know what that was. So disassociative identity disorder. Oh, so it is a severe mental illness plus dementia, right? That's what she was diagnosed with. So that's like the first right hook, right? And the camera continues to to like push in slowly. And then she talks about her father who tragically starved himself to death because he had a psychotic uh, depression, right? Um, it was, it's a, it's a, a severe form of depression. And <laughs> as if that wasn't bad enough, before you see any reaction from anybody else in the group, they further pushes in still and it talks about her brother who was um, diagnosed with schizophrenia and he hung himself and blamed his mother for, quote, putting people inside him, end quote. And then the camera stops and then it cuts away to the reverse shot of everybody in the circle just like looking at her. <laughs> like if there was a pregnant silence ever, this would be it. Yes, like, and the baby that it will birth will be a king of hell. Yeah, they just didn't know right. how to react to her. What's and what, yeah, and, and what and what what you find out is that Annie has some of these same mental health disorders or touches of yeah. them, and so she's like, well, and once she yeah, once she starts to once she starts to talk then more about her own experience and her daughter and her family, the camera starts to push pull out, and again, it's this distancing that's happening so that the audience can't like over over identify with the pain that she feels these emotions in. Yeah. She's Um, almost like an unreliable narrator. Uh, Later, later you find out that she sleepwalks and she's telling Mm -hmm. this to somebody who is a bad actor acting as if they were her friend, but they, she tells them that as she slept walk, she had all this basically uh, a fire, uh, like some gasoline or kerosene or some. It's covered, covered everybody in, in gasoline. Yeah. And herself and then lit a match. And then her son woke up and she talked about her, 
her son is. And she woke up. Yeah, her son is still angry with her about this, but she's like, but you know, I blew it out. It was just my, just my dreaming. So yeah, she's got some significant uh, disorders yeah. and the rippling effect of those, of those. Um, I would say those mental health challenges untreated. Uh, and mm-hmm. the trauma caused that it's like that ripple of a rock in a pond. It just kind of keeps yeah. seeping out, touching every web of co- you know connection in the family. Every, the whole network gets uh, the gets, whole the whole network. Because what you said, what you said is is right. As that camera pulls out and she starts to tell about her relationship with her mother, how it was on again, off again, and her her husband had to put together a no contact rule. But then that that ended whenever she had to move in with them (laughs) like she moved in with them whenever she got quote dementia right and you're the camera makes it seem like there's something a little off about her as that as that uh would you say the um the uh trustworthy narrator no it's untrustworthy untrustworthy right yeah well that's what i mean like she's she's not quite trustworthy in terms of hey can we really believe everything that she's saying all right so i'm gonna speed us up so that's the mental health component that's the that's the the kind of the genetic kind of stuff being passed along that you can see that sometimes uh sometimes this stuff has its bad impact in a family sometimes and thank god when it is it's really treated well and people are Mm -hmm. you know on the path of some sort of health and recovery this uh you see all that but then you start seeing of course because it's a horror film the scenes of the horrific and of course there are these moments where she, i mean the light the way they play with light is is about as brilliant as the 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 original john carpenter's halloween uh where where you mm-hmm. have like annie can look over and see her mother dead and naked very faintly and if you just yeah. blink you miss it yeah. light comes on she's gone that happens all throughout right. the house there are even other yeah, things charlie, that, charlie saw her grandmother a lot there's other things yeah there's death. other things that happen there's while they're downstairs there's step footsteps up in the attic uh, there's just things mm-hmm, going mm-hmm. on that they don't even comment on. Uh, paint starts getting knocked over on its own. Okay, so so the eerie beardy, the weird, creepy stuff is happening in their in their world, and more and more stuff is found uh, of the grandmother's, her artifacts, her personal items, yeah. and in them you start noticing some very occultish type stuff. A lot of that symbol comes up, and what you what you yeah. soon discover through all of it is that her her grandmother was basically. The leader of some cult that worshipped and wanted to summon a king, one of the kings of hell named Paimon. And this is actually yeah. uh, a real god in demiology. It's He's written of in, in what's called a grimoire. Uh, and these are these ancient, uh, usually ancient and all the way to medieval, like magical texts. The books themselves are about mm-hmm. rituals and magic and uh, very little associated. It's, he, he is considered a theological villain, uh, although he's not in traditional theological texts like the Holy Bible, New or Old Testament, the Pseudepigrapha, right. the Apocrypha, or any you know midrash material. Yeah. It's from occultic sources. Uh, a lot of times, this character is associated with uh, uh, King Solomon. And uh, there's all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. But the bottom line is, in, in some paintings, he's always got uh, uh, severed heads with him. And so <laughs> seems like if you want to pay homage to this uh, king of hell. Who, all right. And, and it doesn't mean he's the king. He's not, he's not the Lucifer, the Satan. 
Uh, right. This is, uh, you know, he, just a prince. Yeah, you know, he's one of one of nine kings, and, and, and he oh, one of the nine. Yes, kings. and he he basically, uh, you, you know, you offer him a, a head. Here's a head. What's your, you know, here's your head. What's your hurry? Um, <laughs> here's your head and a male child. But you might remember, Possessed. you might remember <laughs> that uh, Charlie lost her head, and yes. and so, um, okay, so I'm gonna try to try to get this clear and quick. Um, the mother, Annie, she tries to go to another grief counseling session. And however, she does not want to, to go into it because uh, she's just, you know, things are just messed up, but there's this yeah. woman who shows up out of the blue and this woman, she plays in all kinds of films. She plays in the leftovers on HBO. She plays in, uh, handmaid's tale. She is, uh, she is, um, mm. she's always in a kind of a, a creepy character. And yeah, see, I knew none of that going into it. So well, you have to you have really... to be cultured like me. <laughs> yeah, I yeah yeah I I was I'm an uncultured swine. Uh, I I knew whenever I said I knew nothing about seeing this film the first time. I knew nothing. Right. Like I knew who uh, I knew who Gabriel Byrne was. Hey. and I'm like, Ooh, I know hey, him. I'm gonna interrupt you. Scroll down because we're sharing a screen, everybody, so we can get the characters' names and actors right. I want to find her name because mm. uh, it's Ann Dowd. Ann Dowd plays Joan. Joan. Yes, Dowd. yeah, she's a she's a um, yeah, she's fun, she's a phenomenal phenomenal actress. Uh, but she she you know she's like oh I come on let, let's go talk and she goes you know hey I lost my you know I lost my son too and then son and son and grandson yeah and grandson she tells a story well whenever. You know, Annie gets invited to her place. She goes to her place. She sees a rug, a mat, a welcome mat. She's like, hey, that's the kind that my mom used to weave. Tips you off right now that uh, this might be one of those people that knew my mom. And as she goes in, yeah, there's, yeah. again, more of those symbols for for this God, this, this, this yeah. character of hell. And there are other words and symbols out of this kind of esoteric occult literature all over the place. I'm not going to go down them because that's not really the point. But the point yeah. is, is, is it's all over there for you to see if you happen to take notice. As Annie served a cup of tea, she she kind of sees something bitter and touches it to her lip, and there's a there's a piece of uh, of black spice or black tea, and she kind of flicks it away. It's uh it's signaled to us because several different times this kind of tea is uh, being utilized for something, right? And, and later what we're, we're, you know, we're finding out is that uh, what's actually happening to the Graham family is that they are the playthings of this cult. They mm -hmm. actually want to use the family and their bloodline as a continual and constant gift to this demon king. And you find out that what you might have suspected before, that Charlie's death was not accidental, it was planned, and they offer Charlie's head. It appears, Ryan, that Charlie was uh, a payment earlier on. That's probably why Charlie was so weird. But, but Payman mm. needs the body of a male. The grandmother who's dead, mm. it said that her eldest son had died, by suicide, he was schizophrenic. Remember, and was angry at yep, his mom yep, for putting yep. all these people into him. They think that yeah. this is uh, has to do with the fact that she was trying to get offer him as a sacrifice to Payman, so the Payman could become, mm. you know, incarnated in his body, and you know, he ended yes. his own life. 
bottom line is that the eldest son was most likely, uh, you know, an offering to this God to come and live, but he took his own life. Mm -hmm. And so now um, uh, the, the grandmother's desperately working on this, on her granddaughter. Yeah. Setting up this elaborate plot to have her be allergic to nuts, to have her die, to be a sacrifice, <laughs> to have it all planned yeah. out and set up so that this would happen. And what you know about Payman yeah. is that Payman is, you know, is, is a male king of hell with a feminine face. And mm. at this point in time, it goes crazy. It goes from, from, from eerie to, to sideways bat crap crazy quick very quick the mom's losing her mind she's yeah. seen trying to pull yeah. the head off her son in her sleep like she's sleepwalking she's under the allure of something I, well i mean i yeah i guess it was her her hands i mean she she was under the bed somehow or behind the bed somehow and then she was over by the window when he woke up well there's this theory that payment like, has entered her in some way after her daughter's died she's been mm -hmm. sleeping in her daughter's creepy ass treehouse well, and and Certainly after she does the seance the first time. Yes, I forgot to say that that's the door. Yeah. The door is... Yeah, and, and and reading a language that you don't know what it is or where it comes from, uh, note to note to listeners, don't do that. <laughs> if it's a, if it's an ancient, if it's an ancient language that you don't know what it is, don't read it. Uh, I mean, I guess if you anyway. believe such things, but you, you know, that, oh, right. that, that's the thing is, yeah, the jo Joan is the name of Anne Dowd's character. Who's the, the, she was basically the second in command of the cult under the grandmother. And she's the one who suggests there when they're having that cup of bitter tea, Hey, one thing that I've done to assuage my guilt or to help my guilt is to have a seance and I get to talk to my loved ones and Annie, who's just desperate she goes along with it and she leads her, you know, she leads in this seance, which is the opening door to this, uh, this demon king, uh, once and for all. If it was only a toe, a foothold or a toe in the door, now the door is wide open. Now the door is wide open. And she becomes, uh, something else. Now she's, she's obsessed herself with this, uh, spirit that's going on in the home. And so she tries to tell her husband, look at this book. I tried to burn this book. It burned my arm. And he's like, you're kind of being crazy. Like, and in fact, mm -hmm. in kind of the argument, the body of Annie's mom, the deceased, the, the head of the school, yeah. is discovered in the attic. And he freaks yeah. out because earlier in the film, he's got his phone call saying, hey, somebody's desecrated the grave. And now he's right. like, it was my wife. He thought it might have been just some kids, you know, but now it was right. my wife. And she's just and she losing has no it. Recollection of that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's finally. He's a psychiatrist. She's lost it. And she goes, "No, look at this book. This is Charlie's book. You know, I, I tried to burn it and burn my arm." And uh, he gets kind of angry. He takes it and he throws it in the fire, and it it just lights him on fire. On fire. Yeah. The only seemingly normalish person <laughs> of the lot. A person yeah, who's not yeah. whose bloodline, his actual bloodline, is not tied to an, a crazy. Uh, uh, cult and <laughs> conspiracy to use other family members. Well, as and it really what it what it does do for me is it it kind of reframed for me the father starving himself to death because of his deep depression. Um, uh huh. Say more. You know. It, well, it's you know like he had to be sacrificed as well. Um, you know to bring about to bring about this this ninth one of the nine kings of hell. Somehow it has to be. His wife. Somehow it has to be a total sacrifice. 
that um, yeah. the, the father has to be sacrificed as well. Now, why would people uh, sacrifice for this uh, this demon uh, king, as I like to call him? The idea is that there's a promise of riches. <laughs> and yes. it, it, Always riches, isn't well, it? Well, you know, the, here's the interesting thing about it. I, you could ask yourself this this question about whether or not wealth would be enough for you to sacrifice your family. Mm. And, you know, I have a, a segment of my family um, that there was a, a person in it who saw the opportunity for financial gain from, you know, a great grand, one of our great grandparents passed. And then there was this trust mm -hmm. and it was known that a certain amount of money went to a certain amount of people in the family. And then there was, a, a, this person jockeyed, mm -hmm. uh, the maternal person jockeyed over her children for the, the money position. Yeah. And the bottom line, the bottom line is so much pain and, and heartache was done. It was, it was in, in a sense, a sacrifice of, of mm -hmm. the loved ones of the, of the, of the family bond for the sake of greater wealth. Well, uh, and it's interesting that, that uh, it happens you know, is what I'm saying. Yeah, it happens. And, and it, <laughs> To, to that point that it happens for a purpose, you know, uh, Annie discovers something in one of her mother's books early on in the film before things go sideways, batshit bat crazy. Um, and, and it said that the handwritten note, the camera focuses on it for quite a while. Now, mm -hmm. I paused the screen so I could read it, but I didn't have to. Because you're a slow reader? Well, the camera, oh, I was worried that it was going to cut away. Just you know, say you're a slow reader. I'm a slow reader. Um, That's your penance so, for losing our feet earlier. <laughs> it's my penance. Uh, I'm kidding. You're fine. Son of a... Anyway. Um, You're fine. Yeah. And so this letter says that don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. All the sacrifice is going to be worth it. Yeah. And, and uh, you're like... Oh, what's she talking about? You know, and at that point, you still don't really have an idea of the things that are going to happen. Right. Anybody could say that to you, right? Yeah. And, like, and like, you know, I could, if, I, if I were to die enough to know to you saying, Ryan, don't worry, all the sacrifice will be worth it. You could be like, oh, there's my buddy, Jared, inspiring me to, you know, to live a yeah. life that I'm trying to reach for things. <laughs> right. Not this. <laughs> Not decapitating children <laughs> and other people so that a demon Whoa. king can come in yeah, and give us just, unlimited money to McDonald's forever. <laughs> Believe me when I tell you, I did not see that coming. Nobody uh, spoiler did. alert. She spoiler did. Alert, Charlie yeah. saw it coming, right? It Charlie? Hit her right in the face. <laughs> I mean, it was awful. <laughs> That, I yeah. can't even watch that again. Holy crap, man. You know, and it's sad. Did she know that she was the sacrifice? Did she know that she was going to have to lose her head? You I don't know, know why she, she cut was, off the head of a bird. Well, but she, it was part of, it was part of that ritualistic uh, activity that she was tied up with her grandma. I think she had some inkling, you know, with the premonitions that she saw of her after her death, that there was something going on and that she had a part to play. Now, did she know she was going to bounce her head off a telephone pole? Me, probably not. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just all very tragic. Uh, and then you get to the end and you see all the family members sacrificed by this cult, it's, except for the, the male child with a feminine face. Well, so, after, after the husband yeah. is burned, burned up and then the older <laughs> child is, is, is asleep, uh, now Annie has fully been taken over by, uh, by Payton. And she yeah. starts doing that creepy, creepy horror film stuff where she's like climbing up walls like backwards and barely in the light and in the shadow. And oh yeah, she this, sits this in the film does a phenomenal job. Oh, of, it's fantastic. Of light and shadow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, cannot say enough about it. And, no. 
because what you actually see is very little. I mean, the head thing yeah. notwithstanding, you see very little, and it's all just left to the imagination, more or less. Yeah. So she's up in the corner of a room just staring, watching the sun sleep. And we all know that only lunatics watch other people sleep. <laughs> he gets up and starts looking around the house, and then he sees his yeah. burnt-up dad, and he stands yeah. there, and she's, she's like in that corner of that room, too. And then comes down, starts chasing him, and it's like crazy. And he gets away. He gets up in the attic. Now, this is, remember, there's a dead, there's a dead corpse right. up there. A there's a body corpse. up there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And as he closes it, now she's like floating on. She's like hanging onto the ceiling, like she's on her hands and knees, but she's upside down. And she's just her head is just banging on the on the door, and uh, it's like just psychotically, completely manic, completely possessed. And it just yeah. it, it the the image of it is so affecting that I. I can see it, and I'm like, it just it just makes you shudder. And uh, you know, good luck sleeping tonight thinking about. Yeah, it. yeah. Well, while he's up there, tough. he looks around. There's a bunch of naked folks in the shadows. <laughs> and these yeah. are the cult people who are basically. Yeah. Um, so much of this reminds me of The Simpsons. We get the Treehouse of Horror, and then there's the <laughs> in one Treehouse of Horror, you have Bart's evil twin who's been living in the attic for years, and no one really knew he was there. Well, the cult people <laughs> snuck up in the the attic, and no one knew they were there. Just lay around naked and do whatever that they do. Yeah, but they're up there, and they all kind of come out with these eerie smiles, like "Hi, how's it going? Would you <laughs> would you like to be part of my pyramid scheme? All you got to do is lose your head. Here. Here's your pretty feminine face. Yeah, well, that's the thing about it. He just la- launches himself out the window to 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 his death in the bed of yeah. flowers. Hey, so like Bon Jovi, he was laid better roses. <laughs> you know, but sweet relief because he's going to die. But that blue light that Charlie saw earlier on that we see in other times, it represents uh, the, the demon king. It comes over mm. him and now he's possessed. Yeah. And he walks into the creep, creepy treehouse of horror and there is his uh, decapitated grandmother, decapitated... Mother, mother, father. Oh, by the way, how the mother Annie decapitates herself, yeah, is with a piano wire. She just, she's just like yeah. staring at him. Tony Collette can make some very strange faces, and it is very like strange very, faces, very scary. And she's just back and forth until her head goes, and it's like, yeah. um, yeah, that's another one that took a sick imagination to come up with. But uh, and then Charlie's up, and then there's the naked cult people around, and they're kneeling in worship in a triangular formation. And, and there there yeah. are symbols of the triangle throughout. And they and a lot of a lot of commentators think this has to do with the Holy Trinity of Christianity, but inverted. Yep, that's and, that's how I read it initially. And then and then they're they're in front of this um, sort of kingly looking. Uh, built character mm. that has the head of Charlie. So yeah. it's a, a male body with his feminine face, and there's a crown on its head. Yeah, fully then, a fully embodied nine, one of the nine princes of hell. And then what happens? I forget. <laughs> <laughs> well, the question is, and the question is posed: What does yeah. it mean? Does it mean was it was it all just a metaphor? I mean, because now the, this 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 king has entry. I mean, he doesn't have gold, and he doesn't bring money to the no. to the worshippers. He's just there in the in Peter, right? So, people. Uh, have asked this question. The, the the writer, the director, the director of the film said, "No, no, no. This is not just uh, this is not metaphor. just a metaphor for um, mental health. Like we didn't just like, yeah. It is about mental health. Sure, 
but, but it's a horror film. <laughs> yeah, but so that's that's something that happens in the story. Yeah, no, I, I think I think it I think that is the the one way you have to read the film is that now the you know that Paimon is is physically embodied, um, you know that the ritual was successful, and they did successfully bring you know one of the princes of hell into the world. Uh, and what does that mean? Uh, there's many implications, you know, like you said, the inversion of the Holy Trinity and this, this desire for the demonic to, to mirror, uh, you know, the, the divine, uh, which I mean, always, technically always speaking, mirroring, right. You know, yeah, yeah, copying. Yeah. I mean, for, for, for the listeners who are not, not really familiar with too much of occult stuff, uh, you know, the church of Satan, the relatively modern invention. We all know, we all heard of Anton LaVey, LaVeyan mm-hmm. Satanism. There's other branches. Yeah. Uh, you know, it came out of the counterculture and, uh, you know, he was a creepy dude. <laughs> you mean even Satanists are divided? Crap. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they got angry at the potluck dinner over the worship music they were using. <laughs> it's, uh, the carpet didn't match the drapes. Right, exactly. I don't like the color we chose for the peas. <laughs> no, no, no. It's the all... wrong shade of red, you <laughs> In all seriousness, though, uh, you know, there's a lot of influence from Aleister Crowley and other, you know, kind of modern, late modern occultists. But a- Anton LaVey's Satanic Church really focuses on this kind of notion of do what you will do. It's kind of... It's to free yourself from, to free yourself from the, uh, the way you could interpret it is to free yourself from the constraints of some like sky deity. And there's always right. a really, really reductionistic way of understanding God. What they reject is God. I, I do too. That's right. Right. Well, most Shh, atheists, don't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah. The, the God, the, the God that atheists don't believe in, I really don't either. And I don't believe in the God that a lot of Christians believe in. I, I just think that Ooh, that's a, that's a whole nother episode. Friend. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just think that people yeah, really have for sure because they wanted to go so simple about it. They have, well, I God, think that's part of the God their own image. But, but okay. Yeah. But anyway, here it's neither here nor there right now. Ooh, um, and and so then there's this do what you do what you want to do to fulfill yourself, right? And and then mm-hmm. and, you know some versions are it's kind of like you know whatever it's kind of most maybe a little hedonistic. So so in some ways that's kind of an inversion of Christianity, which is supposed to be exemplified in self sacrifice, self sacrificial giving of love for the other for or, the other yeah. or you know there's a mass and then in the satanic church is a black mass everything's like again an inversion and uh a, a turning uh, kind of a mockery a mockery mm-hmm. of uh what predominantly in western culture is considered the holy and right. and so yes this is a religious group yes there's a devotion but it is uh you know it's an inversion and what's the purpose of it it's not self-sacrificial no. giving its no. promise of riches, which you could you could actually play this out, and I'm sure this probably wasn't thought about by the creators of the film, but there is a sense in which late-stage capitalism is an ideology uh, without any other, without guardrails, like the mm. capitalistic, consumeristic, uh, laissez-faire drive for independent individualism without right. gar- guardrails of, of, of morality or uh, I would say the social good. concern, concern it's, for the other, right? It, yeah, self, a form of mental illness, and and it has mm. a, it creates a trauma that 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 touches networks and systems of families, communities, and everything else. 
Absolutely and, and, and I'll, I'll say this because I'm not trying to be, oh, I hate capitalism or something like that. I'm, <laughs> I'm not making the point about... You socialist. I'm not making the point about the fact that it works or doesn't work or that it's good right. or bad. I'm simply saying an unmitigated capitalism says that you need to uh, infinite have infinite growth. And the, the reality is, is there's not infinite uh, supply or resources. Supplies or so resources, what, yeah. So then you, you, you basically begin to rape and pillage the earth. And there's not, there's not an infinite supply of workers. <laughs> right. You know, um, and so, communities but that's, with which to, yeah. Yeah, but that's just kind of me waxing on it. So, so there's some other themes that have come out Wading of Wading into the deep in there, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> come on in, the water's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I, I did, I did make that, you know, I did make that, um, that point in my review for that wonderful Christian website that shall remain unnamed. Because it was a really uber conservative one. Certainly. That, that yes. Very you, uber conservative that wanted to, you know, basically bash this as, as a Satanistic film. And I kind of basically said, well, um, the, the whispers of the, the Holy Trinity never recede very far from this inversion because you're getting a picture of what God is not here. Yeah, um, yeah, that's uh, yeah, you definitely um, give him the twenty cent word. Go ahead. Oh, I wasn't thinking. What? 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 It's a very apophatic reading of theology. Yeah, right? that's not a twenty cent word. It's a twenty dollar word. Apophatic Ooh, is negative 20 theology. Dollars? Man, I was undervaluing myself. Negative theology. Theology hmm. means that you can say more about God by way of saying God is not. All right. Yeah. Every time and we say you God said, is what, something, what you, you had to God. say. Yeah, what you had to say about that inversion of it's not self-sacrificing for the other. It's it's uh, um, it's an inversion of that. It's a it's a selfish sacrifice for the gain of yourself. And in experiencing that in the most dramatic way possible that we witnessed on the screen, you can't help but feel that whisper in the darkness that says this certainly can't be right. Something is off. Uh, and yeah. I think the cinematography plays with that, you know. Oh, it does um, a great job. It's very unnerving. Maybe not. Often. Maybe not necessarily the way that it frames the very ending, but framing up to that point and and the just complete chaos that it had. But also just the way that it plays with the light and the darkness. Something feels off. Well, I would say something it. feels in off the in the miniatures. Yeah. It, it's yeah. it's just like there's there's a word that I'm I dropping right now uh my swiss cheese brain is totally in full effect so i can't remember uh, my vocabulary. <laughs> uh but but there's this word that, that that is used psychologically in psychology to describe our our aversion and fear of doll faces like these these baby mm. faces these 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 inanimate objects that look uh, very they're very close similar to the real and then there's kind of a that's why we can make stories that creep you out about these you know, whether it's a, a dummy for a ventriloquist act or a little <laughs> right. doll like Or puppet Chucky masters or one through 8,000. It's exactly how I feel about the, the diorama of the house and the scene, yeah. seeing them and that small, uh, like a two scale replica. Yeah. Uh, and she's and very meticulous. And yes, and and she even does the image of her daughter get, being decapitated. It is <laughs> It's from a neutral, it's from a neutral perspective. Yeah. <laughs> oh really? Okay. Uh, yes. How so neutral can you be? This time, I think yeah. we just wetted up themes in the over in our overview and, and what we liked yeah. about it. But are there any themes beyond that what we described, or do you want to put a put a thumb on a bit more, or uh, or what did you enjoy? Just 
kind of give a quick It's tough on to say that you enjoyed anything about this film. So I think I'm going to land on the, the technical the technical aspects of it. The camera work and the cinematography in this film is exquisite. Uh, and, and that's something that, you know, you want to you wanna watch a master's class in, in how you film a horror film. This would be one of the films that you would show. There's at least certainly a modern film that you would show. Um, it's a very atmospheric, very, in, very uh, intentional about uh, shot choices and lighting and all that stuff. And, and the way that it weaves into the story that's being told is pretty, pretty well done. Um, I think that's probably the, the thing that I would take away the most, you know, the thing that I enjoyed the most about this film. If you can say that you enjoyed anything, I think that's probably the safest thing that you could fall back on. Uh, well, because I it's enjoyed a very, the fact it's a tough they, watch. It's a tough watch. I it is. I enjoyed the fact that they took uh they took their mythology seriously. And yes. so if you really do mm. go back to Joan's house and look in there, the symbols are the simmer, symbols of Pomaine, but there's also all kinds of ancient esoteric uh words and incantation words around written mm-hmm. just just to be seen it, it really did study that's that that kind of stuff well. Those yeah. books aren't really popular anymore. I mean, you can go to the occult <laughs> section and see some books like that. But these are yeah. this is a very you see a lot of it. Uh, well, ancient Mesopotamia and stuff. But getting into medieval period, this became a very European and French genre. Uh, yeah, and uh, and it's really not not huge anymore. Uh, and a lot of reasons is because we've reassessed what we understand of the demonic. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Today in our materialistic philosophy, we tend to think that the demonic described in the ancient world had to do with mental health. Um, and, and I think that certainly maybe that could be the case. I'm not closed off to the notions of the demonic. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, the world is... Um, human evolution has evolved in such a way as to uh, be able to only have a certain amount of senses because it was the most advantageous for us to survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, colors present themselves to us in fruit so that we could basically learn that we co-adapted, that this is a, a healthy fruit and this is a dead fruit, right? And, and so yeah. we only see the world that's been constructed in this dynamic interplay of adaptation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do not have it all we have nowhere near the closest perspective of true reality <laughs> right. here, even on this earth, let alone the cosmos, let alone the cos- cosmologically universes, speaking, yeah. let alone beyond death. These are, these are things that we just don't know. The mis- the great mystery. Yeah. Um, I just say all that because, uh, uh, I don't even know why I got into that, but it's just, it's just true. Isn't <laughs> the it? things, the things it's that you liked true. about the show. Yeah. yeah. I, well, I, I, I just oh, you said you said that they were consistent with their mythology. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't that consistent that they really took it seriously. Yeah, and I thought that yeah, was yeah, pretty they, cool. Because yeah, I've watched a lot of horror. You know, as a theologian, I watch horror films, and you know, I would not say I'm a, a demonologist or have uh, any expertise in in this in this genre of stuff because I don't think there's much hay to be made there academically, but uh, yeah. or practically. Um, but but just being able to do some cursory looking, going oh wow, they really took this seriously. Whereas other films, <laughs> yeah. just I mean they yeah. uh, you you see other movies and they're they're playing with 
the the book of Revelation and they call it Revelations and they just don't get their facts straight at all. And right, it's like, right. oh, you guys are just sound like yeah. a bunch well, of... Well, and there's uh, plenty of mythology out there to get it right. <laughs> you know, you don't right. have to you don't have to be messy about it. Like you just have to, you know, actually do your research. And there's plenty of stuff out there. Yes. Um yeah. and I, I would say if I had any, you know, in my Hannibal's bites, which is our mm. Our moment, Hannibal, Hannibal's, Hannibal's Bites. Bites. Hello. Is this Clarice? Oh, hello, Clarice. Yeah, a moment of criticism. Take a bite out of it. You know what? There's very little to criticize about this film. Um, except for the strange thing that the mom would ever say, take your little sister to this party, which is kind of dumb. And, and unbelievable. Um, yeah, I think that's one of them because and you know he's going to drink. You just looked at him and you knew it, and you said, "Well, don't well, drink now." He said if he wasn't going to drink, but he's like, "I got the weed." And he knew he wasn't going to drink. He knew he was going to get high, um, and that's okay. I'm with him, but under the influence, pal, it doesn't matter. He was under the influence. I think my thing is, is where did her and her husband go? Because they were also out that night, so they went somewhere. Because whenever they got home, you know, you hear off screen saying, yeah, they're both home. And she's like, oh, thank God. You know, where were you guys at? Where did you go? You know, that night while you pawned off the sister to the, you know, to the red lobster. What do you care? Responsible. <laughs> right. Well, it's just one of those things it's, that it's like, OK, you're just going to, mm. you know, she doesn't even look like she belongs at that party in the first place. You know, so yeah, that's no, definitely this is really a, nitpicky yeah. because we because yeah. we really think it's well done. Um, <laughs> yeah. I also thought that they did a lot to focus on knife cutting, uh, mm. cutting tomatoes, cutting the. Uh, there are several points where cutting was just really zoomed in on. I thought, what's this going to do? I, I this is teeing me up for something. Uh, maybe the decapitations general, in the end. <laughs> maybe even though the first one comes yeah. by blunt force trauma. I mean, maybe that's what well, it is. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Well, I did right. the well. The first one, she cuts the head off of the the bird. But yeah, that's part before of before she gets that... blunt force trauma to the to the face. No, I think well, the other thing. Now, that, oh, go ahead. The other thing I would say would be you know uh, playing off of the the family trauma, you know, uh, and I don't know how you explore this, but. But the, the things that we keep from each other definitely cause, cause problems. Uh, you know, uh, whenever you, you suffer alone or despair alone, like nothing good can come from it. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I was thinking about that earlier, that, that very thing. And I mentioned to you on the phone earlier that, um, yeah, what is, what, it, what, is, what is hushed up and hidden away? Mm-hmm. can come back and rear its head. And I was thinking about somebody I know, you know, on Ancestry.com, uh, you know, went on, did that, that, that whole deal and found out that their, their, their father wasn't their father. Yeah. And yeah. And found out that, that they, are, they had another father and that father lived down the road from them when they were kids. And oh, crap. they have all these siblings and they're all like, you know, grandparent age now. And it's like, holy goodness here that's like world shattering yeah what do you do with it is it is yeah what do you do so stuff's hidden away and then it it comes out and it affects it affects everybody yeah and so you know we're not meant to to walk alone we're not meant to deal with this alone 
Uh, trauma is real. Mental health uh, is something to be taken seriously. It's not separate from healthcare. It is just healthcare because we are yeah, not just, a brain just and a vat. We are a person uh, inside and out. So take care of yourself. Um, take care yeah. of all of you. The all of you. And when, by the way, I'm talking about this. Uh, just Sundays, I reflect on a gospel text from the New Testament, and Jesus says, "I, you know, I, I come to save the the sick." Um, mm-hmm. he, he, he is, he takes two sick people and heals them. And so sal- the message of salvation for, for Jesus is not this idea that you just get to go escape to some place called heaven <laughs> that your spirit is, yeah. but it's actually holistic. It's your whole body. Yeah. It's, it's the, all of you, the, all of you is made whole. That, that is what God's heart is according to the gospel, which we don't mean to preach here. That's just, right. um, something that I believe enough to say to you. Anyone listening to take this all well, seriously because all of it, and it matters. goes back to that. It goes. It really does go back to that. That whisper in the darkness here, you know, of that and in, that inversion. Like it's a it's a very stark contrast. What's that? You're hungry. The whisper in the darkness says, "I'm hungry." Oh, I need head. Wait. No. Okay, move it along. All right, listen. <laughs> hey, where do we go hey, from here? Where do we go from here? Where do we go? Listen, last time we talked, we said we were going to visit Hush, uh, a newer slasher film that the the woman mm. who's being hunted is a, a deaf woman. It was a it was a great take, but the problem yeah, is you film. can't rent that anywhere right now. No, you yeah. can't. No streaming service has it. And so we wanted to, to look at something else along the lines of trauma. Mm-hmm. So all these films we really looked at has really played in majorly on trauma. Yeah. Uh, I think in the future we're going to start pulling together. This was unintentional since we're new at this and trying it out. But in the future <laughs> we're going to try to do some themes, like whether we, we look at a couple vampire flicks, a couple zombie yeah. flicks, or we maybe look at some horror com flicks. We're going to have some mm-hmm. one-off shows. I'm going to do Dale and the- Tucker vs. Evil. Wonderful. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do an an enneagram reading of Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, and Freddy Krueger, and see where they are Wonderful. on their enneagram. Yeah. Just for you enneagram nerds out there, uh, to see maybe if we can give them some advice on how they can you know change their life, get rid of some heal vices, their soul, or, heal yeah, self, heal yes. themselves, right? Yeah. Uh, and we might even reflect on some television shows, everything from Buffy the Vampire Slayer to to your Bl- good lady Midnight wife. Mass. My good lady wife. He's talking about uh, what we do in the shadows. So uh, all these things are, are so good to pull up literary references, uh, lean on the traditions of other films, look, bring in religion and theology and philosophy and art and pop culture. And, and we just like to, to, to catch all these references and, and play with them. Because uh, a horror film, a good horror film for a good fright may be fun on a Friday night, but one that's really good, just like any piece of cinema says something to us about the human uh, experience. And experience, I certainly yes. think that this one did uh, in droves. I'm not going to watch this it. Dis- yeah. this, de- this had despair in spades. <laughs> despair uh. in spades. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, I mean, well, I, what does that even mean in spades? Do you have more spades than you have heart? I don't know. In, anyway, in anything trumps? else? I don't know. I, I don't really play cards very often. I play euchre. Give me some. Hey, from me Indiana. Some um, yeah, no, it, 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 I will probably not be watching this one anytime soon. <laughs> it's not a Valentine's <laughs> the, Day film for you? No, 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 no. Um, 
but yeah, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm in for all those things. You know, I love having the conversation and yes, you know, some, some, some horror films can be like riding a roller coaster, you know, and, and, or like a, like a good puzzle trying to figure out the unknown. But I think the, the highest, the highest in, uh, of them leave, leave you uh, with something. And, uh, this one certainly, certainly did. Yeah, and um, certainly in the future, I think we can ask our one listener maybe to give us suggestions of what to review. So. Yes, yes, one listener, we do care. We have two listeners, you. our moms. All right. <laughs> well, yes, that's it for now. I think. All right, brother. Happy, uh, you know, uh, happy evening to all, and and don't dream about Tony Collette banging your head on the ceiling trying to get to or you while you're in the attic at all. Don't cutting herself, cut it, cutting her head off with a guitar string. No piano piano string oh even worse see you later bye